0: But when we don't even know if we're going to play, an announcement is like a game. An announcement is like a game win.
1: I kind of feel like BYU is uh malto meal.
0: We're rescuing women whose hair gets caught in, uh, you know, in repelling, repelling equipment. Oklahoma!
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off... Here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us
1: now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom is college football insider, writer of Extra Points, Matt Brown. Matt, welcome back to the show. And apparently, when it rains, it pours quite literally, whether it's bad college football news or just your
3: part of the country. Yeah, we had a a little mini hurricane in Chicago yesterday, which is not something I thought I was going to have to experience by moving so far away from the ocean, but uh, the arc worked and uh, and now we're ready for a different different kind of flood.
1: Okay, so uh, you're prepared for that. How can we all be prepared for what we don't know is going to happen with college football?
3: Yeah, I, I think if you're a BYU fan, one of the most frustrating things about You know, the last couple of weeks and moving forward is how much of this is really just not in control of your institution. You have a smart athletic director, you can make calls all over the country, but if all of the other schools that you were going to play are going to make independent decisions about about canceling football or postponing football, there's not really anything you can do. There's not any greater body that's advocating specifically for BYU. So, at this point, I think all you can do is keep your expectations low and measured. You know, realize that you're doing everything that you can and that your season's going to be in the hands of not just other administrators, but also how this country responds to uh, COVID-19.
0: Yeah, in theory, BYU could just play, right? They, they're an independent. They're not beholden to a league, right? But if, if several of the Power Fives, and who knows if all of them will end up here, had, they have all the money. They, they could handle the liability of things, you would think, but they still don't want to play. That's not a good sign
3: for the rest of college football. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the one, I guess, you know, silver lining here is you, you don't, you don't have broadcast deals tied up with another conference. You don't really need anyone else's permission. You can do what's best for your institution. Um, and if you can find enough people to play, that gives you a lot more flexibility. Notre Dame had that same flexibility too. That lets them set up this kind of arrangement here uh, with, with the ACC. The tricky thing is just finding enough schools. I, I think it's, uh, you'd be pretty concerned right now about what's happening at the FCS level. There's not going to be an FCS playoff and schools now have to realize, does it make sense for me to play three non-conference games just to collect a paycheck and then try to table everything for a couple of months? You know, Some schools, are, I've indicated, they'd like to do that. We have some service academies that play by different rules, but everyone's doing things a little bit different. And especially given the last 48 hours out West, I think building out that roster of teams is going to be challenging for BYU, especially after the Mountain West recent decision.
0: Yeah, so that becomes the question, right? Is And we were talking about, okay, the American Athletic Conference, we had Mike Oresco on uh, the commissioner Friday. He loves BYU. He, I think he'd love to have BYU in the league, frankly. Um, and that's always an option in the future, but that's a topic for another day. Does BYU just get a bunch of AAC teams as much as possible? Do they get any independents remaining? UConn, now UMass, not in the mix.
3: What does BYU do? Where does BYU go from, uh, from here? What do you think? I, I, I think you call everybody. The American Athletic is the, is, is the conference right now that makes the most sense because they're, they're saying, at least publicly, we want to play as many out-of-conference games as we possibly can. And that suddenly means they have a bunch of inventory. Um, and do th- you have a lot of athletic directors at those institutions that have already worked with BYU? You have a conference office that already has a positive relationship with BYU. So that makes sense. Uh, the other independents, and I have been writing about this for a couple of months, it's, it's tough sledding because for most of those schools, if you don't have the, the guaranteed game contracts, that two $3 million guaranteed coming in financially, it doesn't really make sense to play football. And that's what UConn and UMass have decided. I would be shocked if New Mexico State doesn't make a similar decision within the next couple of days. And that basically just leaves you in liberty and an, an army. And you can't play liberty six different times. So if you're going to try to pull that schedule. I know not with that attitude. Right. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, I, I would, I would imagine looking to the East is probably your best chance to get lots of games.
1: Yeah. It's quite the conundrum that BYU is facing, but Hey, the Sun Belt conference USA, they're trying to follow the pattern of the American athletics. So we'll see what Tom Homo can string together. But Matt, because you live quite literally in the heart of big 10 country and the big 10 important people are meeting as we speak. What do you think is going to happen today with the Big Ten? Because we saw a really big paradigm shift yesterday when it was, oh, Big Ten's going to cancel the season. And then Jim Harbaugh comes out and Ryan Day comes out. These powerful voices saying, we got to keep doing, we got to keep doing what we can do to try and play this season. What's going to happen
3: within the Big Ten Conference? It is a fascinating question right now. And this, what we've seen over the last 36 hours, I think just clearly demonstrates how different the Big Ten is now that Jim Delaney's retired. You know, for for all you could say about him, good or bad, he was really good at presenting a unified front within all of these institutions. And now you have a brand new athletic commissioner, somebody who hasn't really worked in college athletics for very long, and also Ohio State, one of the premier, most powerful institutions in that conference, just changed university presidents. So you have somebody coming in, just new on the job and there's a power vacuum and when that power vacuum isn't filled suddenly athletic directors and coaches and all of these other people have rushed to fill it and i don't think the university presidents and the conference office were prepared for that there's a lot a lot of reticence to play this college football season at the big ten level a lot of these schools are very worried about liability they're very worried about the potential long-term health issues that come from covid 19 that are unrelated to death, right? It's not a binary situation. You either get better in two weeks or you die. There's, th- these schools think, hey, there's some risks that we don't understand about your cardiovascular system, about your central nervous system, and they don't really want to do it, but there's a lot, a lot of pressure. Call, you know, coaches, players, state politicians, state governors that are pushing them to play. So right now, I wouldn't be shocked if they decide to punt again, which is a very Big Ten thing to do rather than make a big decision.
1: Hey, even the president of the United States got involved in the conversation yesterday. So the political pressure is real right now.
3: Yeah, that, absolutely. And remember, like, there's a lot of red states in, in the Big Ten footprint. There's a lot of red governors and a lot of these public institutions have regents that are politically appointed. So there's I mean, and this is definitely true within the South, too. Your academics may say one thing. Your coaches may say one thing. and then the government and the politicians are going to say another thing, too. It's I know how frustrating this is for fans because so many people want sports to be a refuge and a distraction from politics. But right now, on every level, these are all political issues. You can't separate them, especially for state institutions that are literally governed by politicians.
0: It feels like the SEC holds the cards to whether we will actually play a season. Because if they don't play, then there's not really a reason for the ACC or the Big 12 to really do it. It feels like they're waiting for the SEC to make a move. What do, you, what do you think of that idea?
3: I think, honestly, the big wild card right now is the Big 12. Because I think you have some of these schools within the SEC and the ACC that are committed saying, listen, we've gone our separate ways from the Big 10 and the Pac-12 before. We did that with the Bowl Alliance system. We did that with the Sanity Code. We've done that with a bunch of other hot-button issues. We could theoretically do this again. But right now it's reported that administrators within the Big 12 are honestly torn." And if that league with that many uh, you know, powerful institutions decides that they want to postpone or wait, a football season of just schools in the Southeast, I think that becomes really politically untenable. The SEC right now, they want to play until it's absolutely until the troops say that you can't play anymore. But if the Big 12, which could still flip either way, changes, that makes that conversation much more difficult within the Southeast.
1: Matt, it was fascinating to watch Scott Frost, the Nebraska head coach yesterday, say essentially – Look, if the Big Ten shuts us down, we're ready to go somewhere else and play football. I mean, just crazy, unprecedented things. And the Nebraska fan base is crazy enough to hop on board that Scott Frost train and follow him wherever he leads because of his history with the program. Uh, Is it feasible that these major programs could break away for one season and defy the conference? Do you see that happening?
3: You know, it's funny. Ryan Day at Ohio State said something kind of similar after uh, a member of the Ohio State beat asked that kind of question. He indicated, hey, we have to pursue all potential options here. And if there's one thing that I've known about writing an awful lot about conference realignment, it's that coaches are not the people that are the most important decision makers in that room. I've, I've asked around over the past couple of days, and I don't want to say it's impossible because nothing over the last month has made any sense. But it would be extremely unlikely for a school like Nebraska or Ohio State or Oklahoma or USC to go play in another conference for a year because they don't own their broadcast rights. Those are arrangements that are owned by, collectively by their conference. They're, they're owned with, to, tied to ESPN. They're tied to Fox. They're tied to the Big Ten Network. And they would need the rest of those conference peers to agree to suspend those rights for a year and then figure out where that money goes if they play somewhere else. So Notre Dame could do that because they own everything. BYU could theoretically do that. They own everything. At the FCS level, we saw a couple of schools in the Colonial Athletic, which is a powerhouse FCS conference, indicate that they would pursue an independent schedule. You know, now they're not. And you can do that if your media revenue is hundred grand a year. And that led to a lot of hurt feelings within that league. There could be real problems there, but you could do it. When that money is $50 million, and when you look at all of the institutional sacrifices as a school Nebraska made to get in the Big Ten, they're not going to risk all that, so Scott Frost can go six and six and go play in the GameStop Bowl. Like that's that, that's not something that makes sense. <laughs> that doesn't make sense.
0: You're exactly right. And uh, BYU would know about uh, creating um, you know hurt feelings in a conference due to TV issues. Yeah, BYU would know. So just call Tom; he can tell you what happened with uh, Wyoming. Right? When, when you look at what the coaches and players are doing, obviously the player movement and the coach is saying this. I think that is. Perfect timing because then it makes the administrators the bad guys if they don't play college football.
3: I think that's well played by them. Oh, it's not our fault. We wanted to play. I, I think it's smart, too. I mean, I, I have to be honest. You know, as a, as a reporter, I love the idea of college athletes becoming uh, more empowered to say what's on their mind generally. And, and I think as reporters and as fans, we have to realize sometimes we're not going to agree with them. But if we want to encourage them to actually speak and use that voice and power, we have to support them you know, re- regardless, right? And, and I think this is a really good example. Um, you're right. It put all of the power, all of the pressure right back on, on the administrators. And then the athletes, I think, were very smart and laid out. Not only do we really want to play, but here's exactly what we need to make that happen. And those, those demands, Now, I'm not talking about like the Pac-12 United. I'm talking about the stuff that came out at midnight a day or two ago about here are the things that we need in order to play football, which we really want to do. Those are reasonable. Those those are those are things I think lots of individual administrators would, would agree to want to make this happen. So you're right. If there's going to be a bad guy, it's going to be a university president. It's going to be a suit. And these are people that are not used to being in the public crosshairs at the same way that a coach or a player is.
1: Matt Brown, college football insider, publisher of extra points. Matt, remind the people how they can find your stuff.
3: You you bet. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Brown EP. You could subscribe to Extra Points at extrapoints.substack.com. You could subscribe for free and get two newsletters a week that that, uh, dig deep into the -the off-the-field issues like political engagements or higher ed policy that shape college football. You can also subscribe for $7 a month or $70 for the whole year and get four newsletters a week. That's original journalism, that's analysis, that's information from experts that shape all of the world for college athletics that we know now. He
1: is building the arc of hope for all college football fans. Matt Brown, also an elite pennant collector, my friend. Yeah, Great-
3: you have more now. I do. People, people have been sending this, them to me, which, which is wonderful. We've got pennants back here from Maine and Virginia and Southeast Missouri State. and I've got this you know, like vintage 1930s college football map poster. <laughs> like, I, 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 I love this stuff. If I'm stuck here in my basement for the next couple of months, I can't hit the road. Might as well make it look as nice as possible.
1: Absolutely. Matt, thanks for the time, man.
2: No, no problem, fellas, anytime.
1: Matt Brown on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know
2: why we show how. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. To play
1: or not to play is The question today, college football is at an impasse. Jerem, is a season going to happen in 2020?
0: (sighs) It feels like no. We've been asking this question for a while now. And in March, we thought that there would be time for the virus to die down or a vaccine to perhaps be created. Uh, Those things take a lot of time to figure out, right? If the Big Ten cancels, this is a massive domino. It's one thing for the MAC to cancel and BYU's schedule to lose another game, which, let's be honest, the schedule's blown up except for the ones that are confirmed. We'll tell you what those are in a second. But this this is a hard thing because you'd think that the Pac-12 would follow suit. The Big Ten and Pac-12 seem to be like-minded in their aims right now relative to the season, conference only, player upheaval, um, and – Hopefully we play, man, because there's the argument of okay. If, and I've said if it's really about health, let's not play at all. But there's also the argument that's had on the other side of, isn't it? Okay, it's dangerous for the players to play, in, in and yeah, but it, is it more dangerous for them not to play? That's that's an argument and a discussion point out there. Um, and I won't dive into, I guess, my opinion on that per se, but are they going to be like better to taken care of, play.
1: Are they going to be better taken care of within the confines of an organized college football program than they would be if there were no football?
0: Right. And is it just about the players who are playing? That's no! A, that's a question I would ask. Is it because they ina- interact with staffers, administrators, and so on, right? So it's bigger than just the players themselves. But there's also the angle of... Players looking to potentially unionize. I mean, this could be the first domino. Granted, this is a movement that's been had for a while, but perhaps this is actually uh, something we look back on and go, oh, remember when COVID happened and they actually said, now wait a minute, and then they took steps to do that. The players that almost have to go out on strike, and you know when the perfect opportunity to do that is? Right now if they really wanted to. Right now. So are they going to play or not? It seems like we're not going to play. I said on July 9th, almost a month ago, that I thought it wasn't crazy to think that we might not play. I don't want that to happen. I would like to see college football, but it's it's somewhat hard to justify a little bit. If
1: a college football season happens, then this is what I am envisioning, that the SEC and ACC lead out so those... 28 programs will play. They'll figure out something. I don't know about the Big 12. They, they've kind of remained quiet and uh, just on the fence a little bit for the past week or so. But the ACC and SEC with the likes of Trevor Lawrence, we're talking about a guy who is the Heisman Trophy front runner and was going to be probably the number one pick in the NFL draft had he not decided to go back to Clemson.
0: No, no he was a sophomore, so he couldn't even leave. Okay. Yeah.
1: Sorry. If he were eligible,
0: like yeah, he's right, right, he could, he would. If he, he was eligible, been, he, he, he would have, have been. been the number one pick, no doubt. Yeah, okay.
1: he doesn't need to play college football, Jerry. Well,
0: Joe Burrow would have been one, but
1: yeah. he doesn't need to play college football right now. Right, like he could say, "I'm done. Right. I'm just going to get ready for the NFL draft," and nobody would bat an eye at that because they're like, "Oh, here's the number one pick for next year's NFL draft." We totally, could have kept quiet. We totally get it, but he's out, He's out there saying, "I want to be a leader," and. I want to play college football. And I thought that spoke volumes last night. It was kind of like this crazy fourth quarter comeback last night because all Sunday all we saw was, man, everything's shutting down. Big Ten's going to shut down. Pac-12's going to shut down. This is going to lead to all Power Five conferences shutting down. College football's not going to happen in 2020. And then, boom, Trevor Lawrence starts this message. Justin Fields from Ohio State chimes in. Najee Harris running back from Alabama. All these it's guys saying, here. we want to play. We want to play. So then I was like, whoa, this is a crazy this, – this is crazy rhetoric here. Like, is this the comeback for college football? So if the season happens, Jerem, I think that at most we'll have three Power 5 conferences playing. I don't see any way the Pac-12 and the Big Ten do anything right now. I mean, they're it's too far down the road, I think, for them.
0: Like, the, this is, this is smart of the players because it's going to be the school's fault if we don't play because there was this idea that maybe it would be the players' fault if they didn't play because fans are going to be – Uh, understandably upset if college football doesn't happen, but I I think we all kind of get it, right? We're in a pandemic. Like, this happens once every, like, 100 years or 200 years. Like, this is crazy, right? But if the players say, no, 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 we want to play, and then it's canceled, it's like, well, we wanted to play. You called it. So it's a smart political move there, not to mention they want certain things. Kyle Griffiths, fullback uh, slash tight end on the team this morning, saying, hey, we don't belong to one of these conferences, but... I'm with this because it was a we want to play slash we are united combined message, right? And Trevor Lawrence at first was on the we want to play. It sort of seemed like, well, I'm not with those guys. But But then they came together. And if anyone could unite college football, it's Trevor Lawrence of Clemson. Exactly. So it's a really interesting move. Let's also talk about this. How does this affect BYU? In theory, BYU could play a season if they want. This is a power five only discussion right now. This is not a group of five discussion and certainly not an independent. And the
1: American and Conference USA and Sunbelt are still moving forward. Mike Oresco joined us on Friday. He came out over the weekend and said, we're moving it forward. We're pushing it forward. He said it's trending in the right direction. We're planning on
0: playing. I don't don't agree with it's trending in the right direction. How about this? But I want to
1: play. Army and Middle Tennessee make a game announcement this morning. They're going to play to open up the season. I mean, so it's wait, like who? Army and Middle Tennessee. Oh,
0: Middle Tennessee. Yeah, gotcha. I thought you said Tennessee. I was so like, the wait, military
1: what? academies, Navy, is going to play BYU. At least it's on the so schedule. So Indy
0: versus Conference USA.
1: It, it, look, if that's what it has to be, that's what it has to be for college football to happen. But it's so different. And I hate, I hate to even bring it up, but based on the political map of America right now, the Big Ten yeah, and I, the Pac-12. I,
0: yeah, I said it. Red, blue. Yeah.
1: Yes, red, blue. Blue states are clearly not wanting the optics of. Mm, we don't want the liability of this. We don't. We don't want to cause any problems. Well, We're backing there, out.
0: There could be some serious financial kay? liability later. And the red states,
1: <laughs> Big Twelve, ACC, SEC. No, nah, let's push forward and play college football.
0: Yeah, it's just
1: it's, it is. I mean, it's not surprising based on how those states are set up, but it is. An interesting angle when you when you see if there's going to be college football or not.
0: Because let's say the Big Ten, uh, you know, reportedly, if you're just tuning in, Big Ten reportedly canceling football, they'll announce it tomorrow.
1: By a vote of 12-2. to two.
0: And Dan Patrick's saying the Pac-12 will do the same tomorrow. Therefore, what for BYU? It doesn't mean BYU football's done. It doesn't. Does it mean they probably won't have a season if things go this way? Yes. But BYU could still play. Navy, if they want to play, and the college, where's the college football playoff and all this? By the way, where are they saying? Yep, we're holding the championship. board? no, we're not. They just sit there and, and they have the best job, man. They don't have to do anything but host to the lab. games. They don't make they don't make decisions on eligibility and scholarships. That's the NCA. They just say, come to us. TV money. We'll host some games. We'll have some fun. We'll go there. You and I have the wrong job. We need to get on the college football playoff committee. <laughs> we need to be associated with that uh, and our bowl games. Oh, my gosh. So confirmed games that we know are on the schedule right now. Navy on September 7th. Utah State on October 2nd. We think Houston on the 16th, based on our conversation with Mike Resco about, is that date going to change? And the he American said, clearly he wants said, to play. He said the league won't change it, but the teams could. TBD against San Diego State based on the AD saying that. And then we don't know about the other two. I know we have Boise State up there. We hope it's still there. We don't know it is. North Alabama, we don't know it is. We hope it is. But it, So right now there are like four games on the schedule for sure. But we will hear more about maybe confirm that Boise State's still on the schedule. We expect it to be.
1: There is not this unified voice in the Power Five conferences of if the and Big Ten if- and Pac-12 go... Uh, yes, if they shut down, we're all shut down. That he, is not the case. Even
0: if there was someone who governed them, it wouldn't work. There's so many competing entities and ideals among those. Yes, it's not like uh, you know the NFL, where literally there's revenue sharing and It will never happen. There will never be a central figure running those leagues. No way. It's not going to happen. The Hatfields and McCoys aren't going to sync up. With somebody, right? <laughs> and the Power Five, to some degree, they try and work together. Not really. The Big Ten was the first oh, to announce no. this, and now it was the first to announce that they were going to go conference only. And it was like, whoa! They've and never now, been together from the get-go now, on you this. You think Ohio State gives uh, about Alabama and Clemson and what they want to do? They are competing with them. You know what I mean? So this... This continues to play out where it's like, oh, gosh, I wish there was a central figure, but there never will be, and it will not work. No, it the, will not work. There's
1: not this cohesion like, let's come together and make a unified decision. No, there is a lack of leadership on so many levels across college football. It is a messed-up machine. It needs some serious overhauling.
0: And I don't see how it's going to get fixed okay. anytime
1: soon. How about this? From a U.S. senator Ben Sasse of Nebraska, who is Sassy? a former school president. I like that. And I quote We should not cancel the college football season. This is to all the Big Ten presidents and Big Ten chancellors. Life is about trade offs. There are no guarantees that college football will be completely safe. That's absolutely true. It's always true. But the structure and discipline of football programs is very likely safer than what the lived experience of 18 to 20-year-olds will be if there isn't a season. He continues, as a former college president, I know many of you actually agree. Because I've heard multiple presidents say it when the cameras aren't rolling. Justin Fields, Ohio State, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson, have made similar points persuasively. Canceling the fall season would mean closing down socially distanced, structured programs for these athletes. Young men will be pushed away from universities that are uniquely positioned to provide them with testing and health care. Here's the reality. Many of you think that football is safer than no football. But you also know that you will be blamed if there is football, Mm -hmm. whereas you can duck any blame if you cancel football.
0: Amen. He's spot on.
1: This is a moment for leadership. These young men need a season. Please don't cancel college football, end quote.
0: Now think about it. Nebraska is actually more of a Big 12 team than Big 10 team in terms of history, ideology, location, politics associated with that. Red State. They voted no. They were one of the two. And who was it? Iowa. Nebraska. And Nebraska. Red State. Look where they sit. Right?
1: <laughs> I just thought that was very well articulated. Yes. Like a A well-thought-out plea to the Big Ten presidents and chancellors of why there should be a season and what's going to happen to these guys, in his opinion, if there isn't a college football season. But it's
0: too late. They apparently have voted, and there's Ooh. that. And college football has been playing every... They've crowned a champ every year since 1871. Only one year since 1869.
1: What in the world? Have
0: they not crowned a champ? They even played during the World Wars. So if we don't have a season, this is unlike any other season in college football history.
1: What if there is a season with partial conferences? And PYU goes can you, 5-0. Can you crown and a national champion? the second natty! Asterisk. Oh,
2: my God. 2020 season. Yes. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Feels like forever ago, but it's only been a few days since BYU
1: scheduled a new season opener against Navy. That said, we have fashioned a top five Tuesday with special emphasis on games against the service academies, namely Air Force, Jerem.
0: Let's go. Number five, 2004 at Air Force. It's 10-10 in the third quarter, and your boy John Beck dials it up for 70 yards to Todd Watkins, earning him the nation's top deep threat from Sports Illustrated the next summer. That was part of a 21-point third quarter, 38-point second half. BYU wins 41-24.
1: In 1999, Air Force at BYU. The Cougars leading 20-10 to 10 on their home field when Kevin Federick throws a dart to margin hooks. What well, looked like a nice first down. Quickly turns into a touchdown. Hooks splitting the defenders and running faster than the other guys into the end zone. BYU wins 27-20. to 20.
0: One of those defenders looks like he just is out. Out? Yeah, maybe he was. Number three, 1990 at Air Force. Ty Demmer in 6-1, 10th ranked. BYU beat up Air Force 54-7, thanks to a 30-point quarter. Ooh! And Tony Crutchfield to the house, baby. To the house, Andy Boyce. 10 grabs, 127 yards, three touchdowns. BYU beats up the Falcons. Pick six.
1: Number two, special teams are extra special. 1985 down 21-7 in the third quarter against the 10th-ranked team in the nation. Vice Sikahema sets an NCAA record for touchdown returns with this 72-yard beauty to put the Cougars right back in the game. He wasn't finished yet. Robbie Bosco and the air raid offense find Sikahema for a 79-yard bomb of a touchdown pass to break that 21-all tie. 270-plus yard touchdowns for Vi.
0: Cougars win the game 28-21. Air Force was like a top-10 team in that game. Yep, number right. 10. In 1989 versus Air Force. Number 21, BYU had an amazing special teams day. Stacy Corley takes the opening kickoff 99 yards to where Mama bakes the bread. Then down 17-7 in the second quarter. He does it again, this time 85 yards. Woo! BYU went on to win 44-35, improved to 8-2. Two.
1: two kickoff returns for touchdowns in the same game by Stacy Corley. fantastic show today including the first edition of BYU football fall camp rash assumptions presented by bodyguards protection for a life worth living learn more at bodyguards.com
0: set the stage so we can't go to fall camp and give you our own rash assumptions in person so what we're going to do now is going to play some highlights on loop we're going to break down what we see and we're going to make rash assumptions based on a couple of clips about these situations let us begin with fourth-string quarterback Soljay Maiava connecting with Matt Bushman. Let's check it out. Let's make some rash assumptions. Okay, Matt Solje. Bushman is the greatest tight end in college football, based on this single play. I like Maiava's ball, and I like the fact that he's finding Matt Bushman. That's smart for a friend.
1: It's the tightest spiral in the history of BYU football.
0: Also, ball security is awesome for Matt Bush. Okay, second play. This is Baylor Romney to Neil Pau. He's back, baby.
1: Neil Pau is going to catch 1,000 yards worth of footballs this season.
0: <laughs> I don't even know how to understand that sentence. Um, I'm very excited for Neil. I think he's an underrated piece of the receiving core. I think people have literally forgotten that he's on the team. He's going to be a top receiver on this group. Also, Baylor Romney's... High point release. Yeah, you pointed this out yesterday. It's got to be top 15 in the country, dude. It's number
1: one based on rash assumptions. It's so
0: high. I love it. Next. Lopini Katoa rushing the ball. Now, when you don't actually tackle, the running backs look unbelievable. Untouched
1: to the 21-yard
0: line. Yes. Nice hole. Good. That's a first down right there. BYU's offensive
1: line is at least top four in the country based on this oh, play, gosh. not just number 16.
0: Okay, I think Lapini will be the number one back, though. I really do. I think he's the incumbent starter.
1: Tyler Algier is pushing him for sure. Yes, he is. Next up, how about this? Jaron Hall to Gunnar Romney.
0: Oh, flying down the field. Gunnar Romney could be the number one receiver on this team. I, I think he's got potential. I think we've been waiting for him to do this. And, uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure who number five is on the defense because they've not... The last it's name It's not right Dian It's definitely not Dian. He would get burned by a gunner He's like that. He's in Los Angeles. Okay, and another deep ball. This time to Romney again, oh, but from snap. Zach Wilson. And the same defender.
1: Who's the, that defender? The starting job was given to Jaron Hall until Zach Wilson threw
0: this. Yeah, that's a rash assumption. I like that. That wasn't a touchdown. The other one was. I like Zach looking off to safety. By the way, he gets the one-on-one. Throws to the right. This is what Tua Bailoa did in the national title game against Georgia. To get that nice ball, by the way, right into the soft, feathery hands of Gunnar Run.
1: Those are your rash assumptions. So rash. Okay, we're going to start football fall camp. We're
0: going to bring you highlights and make rash assumptions from every fall camp practice we get <laughs> footage from.
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Some
1: collateral damage happened with the announcements of the Big Ten and Pac-12 postponing their football and fall sports seasons until at least January 1st of 2021. Will there be spring football? Topic for another day. Uh, But the collateral damage for BYU was with the announcement from the Pac-12 that it was all sports being postponed until at least... The new year, which means BYU's three games, three scheduled games for the men's basketball program, are done. Utah and
0: women's volleyball non-conference as well done. Women's soccer
1: done. Yes, Utah, Oregon, Arizona State for BYU men's basketball all now canceled. This hurts, Jaron, because we're looking at probably two, at least one quad one game in there, and three, you know, games higher. That are
0: quad two at least. I feel like hardly anyone discusses men's hoops. We've been, to talk, we've been talking impact on men's hoops here um, and postulating that. I think there's no way BYU or NCAA teams get in 31 games. Um, yeah, not, not bad memories with the highlight we were just showing at Oregon. I was at that game. Phil Knight was at that game as well. I did not say hello. Uh, I should have. You're right. I could have got some shoes. I, I think this is uh, troublesome. Um, I'm hoping that hoops happens. I'd be, I'd be uh, somewhat surprised if there's much non-conference included. I, I feel like hoops is trending in a direction where something like conference only after January 1st would be an option. I know that's been uh, discussed as well. Can hoops play in some sort of conference bubble of some kind? I think it's expensive for a lot of these schools. Remember, BYU has the benefit of a football program that provides a lot of finances to its teams. The other team in the league that can say it at least gets you know, a little more money than most is Gonzaga because that's a hoop school. BYU, think about if BYU didn't have football financially, what life would be like right now. It'd be different, and it takes a lot to create, uh, you know, a football team and have a football team, but you get a lot of revenue. Like it's worth it to have a successful FBS team and we always had that for a long time. So I'm concerned about the men's basketball season losing those three games, but I'm more concerned about how that's gonna work too. Can they can they play um, in, in some way that makes it safer. It's different than football, which is good.
1: Easier to maintain just because right. the numbers are so much smaller in but terms of we personnel. Ha-
0: we have no evidence that a non-professional situation is going to work right now. I'm hoping that we can see that in the fall with football. It's like, okay, we made it work somehow, sweet, let's do others. But at this point, I'm like... Is is hoops going to happen this year? I hope so. See, I am
1: still on the BYU basketball will one million percent happen this season, and I've had a number of people contact me and say, "Is basketball going to get canceled?" Because I will go into a deep state of depression if basketball is canceled now, too, especially with what Mark Pope has compiled.
0: So this roster. So the question isn't. Is it easier to do? I think we all agree it's easier than football, sure. right? Well, yeah, it's you're the, talking about 15 the, players yeah.
1: compared to 120.
0: No question. It's, it's the, if football doesn't happen, it's because of liability, right? So would, wouldn't the liability be similar in hoops in terms of, well, shoot, if they have something happen long term, we're going to have to pay for that as a university? That's what the leagues have to figure out. If
1: any football happens, basketball 1,000% will happen. Like
0: if and, any, and that's the question. If is, any college
1: football right. happens, basketball, without a doubt, in my opinion, is going to happen. I
0: don't see how the Pac-12 is going to play hoops if they're not going to play football. Like the, because, If if the reason is liability.
1: California's if a it's, different beast, man.
0: If It's, it's how different to, beast. Okay, if, let's bring California into this. The WCC, BYU's in a California league. They are.
1: Agree? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Seven of yeah.
0: the ten are from California. If uh, the West Coast Conference doesn't play or doesn't play a lot or something, BYU Hoops is in trouble.
1: Gonzaga is going to make that decision, Jerem. Gonzaga.
0: (laughs) In Washington. Where they should move that. Well,
1: they're going to make that decision if we're being real. If Gonzaga wants to play, Gonzaga wants to play, the West Coast Conference is going to play. It's going to happen.
0: I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I did, we've said for a long time, and jokingly so, like, oh, the commissioner's Mark Few and the Gonzaga runs the league and men's hoops and whatnot, but and if they want to play, I could see where they're going to try, but it might just be lip service if there's certain yeah. contracts, right? Granted, 52 mil is not at the table. Uh, it's less than that, and Gonzaga's gotten what it's wanted in this, but, I yeah, I, I am concerned because, yeah, some kind of bubble. It's like, well, who's paying for that? Is it? It's going to be expensive. They don't make as much money in men's hoops TV rights as they do in football. So it's not like that makes a lot of financial sense. It's got to make sense. It's not just to play. It's got to make financial sense. Well, here's the
1: thing. $900 million are going to be lost again if the NCAA tournament does not happen. You cannot survive two years in a row of losing $900 million of revenue. You can't do it.
0: So what are you saying? If they, fi- lose it, they will
1: then... figure out a way. They'll, like, the money that schools have to invest into bubble and extra testing, whatever, they'll find a way to me it's, because they can't it's, survive losing $900 million
0: again. Again, it's – it's. I mean, the the narrative evolves, right? The narrative right now is liability. That's the narrative out of the Big Ten and, and Pac-12. The
1: full-contact college football sport. I just feel like apples and oranges here. It's so different.
0: I feel like, yeah, basketball, they have less stuff on them. They – they go for a rebound. Like, they're touching a ton, too. To me, it's not contact. So but if the, they're
1: tested and okay, then the concern I, is really not as high.
0: Again, that's a different narrative. We moved from that. It wasn't about testing protocols right now. It's not about that. It's about liability. If liability is the issue, then there's going to be a major right, issue. It's
1: about liability depending on who your panel of medical experts are.
0: It's Well, it's long-term liability. Again, depending that, like, on the medical not,
1: experts you talk to.
0: Right. No, No argument there. It's the narrative has evolved, and right now it's about liability. And if liability is really a thing, then it's going hoops is going to be in trouble. But if it's not, and if it's about can we keep them safe and in a bubbleish situation, it's like it seems like we can kind of make that work. MLB, for all its faults, has mostly still played. I mean, people have hammered it like, oh, there were games canceled. It's like the majority of games have happened. The
1: Marlins are in first place.
0: The majority of games <laughs> have happened in Major League Baseball, it, even, it's not even been with shut their down.
1: lack of protocols.
0: Well, they have a ton of protocol. Yeah. You can't truly have a bubble unless you're like the NBA. That's the only one that's really
2: going to work. 100%, right? The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio.
1: Yesterday, one Jerem Jordan had the opportunity to speak with BYU quarterback Zach Wilson via Zoom on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, part of our BYU football all access coverage on BYUSN. This conversation happened after practice and of note prior to the news of the Mountain West Conference decision. Here is Jerem Jordan one-on-one with Zach Wilson.
0: All right, Zach. Here we are, uh, week two of fall camp. How are things going, man? They've been good. Uh,
4: team's looking good. I would say, you know, an offense, probably need to be a little bit more consistent and just just getting after the defense. But uh, you know, definitely positives after the first week.
0: Uh, coaches on bikes. That is Preston Hadley and General Guilford. Every day, they tweet out their you know rolling to work on bikes. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them. Have you?
4: Yeah, I've, I've glanced I I don't ever listen to what they're saying, but I've seen it a little bit.
0: <laughs> the hope is that uh the guys in the coach are listening to what they're saying. But yeah. they said they got torched Saturday. Just helpless, offense dominated. What was your assessment of the Saturday's practice there?
4: Yeah, I think uh team sessions were okay for the offense. I mean, I mean we definitely moved the ball. We did well. Um but but going into the the red zone period, I think is where I think we separated ourselves. We had our very first two plays of the of the red zone period were touchdowns. Um, Matt had a great catch across the middle that I threw to him, and then and then Baylor hit uh, Carter Weed on a kind of like a little wheel route uh, on the other side for a touchdown. So we had um, a good spark right off the bat, and then we had a couple more touchdowns after that as well. So,
0: so they were accurate. That's good to know. That's yeah. good. To know. I want to dig into much more about the team and football, but we got to take a sec to kind of talk about obviously what's going on with reports of the Big Ten potentially canceling football and the Pac-12 may be following suit. What's your reaction to what we hope isn't the end of college football and BYU is in a unique spot where in theory you could still play but what's your reaction to kind of what's going on in the game right now?
4: Yeah it's it's you know it's interesting to see all of that stuff on social media and you know it's just the rumors and other players coming out saying we want to play and you know it is tough at every university you know you everyone just has different perspectives right we're young kids of course we want to play and um, you never know what these other universities really really are thinking deep down, but um you know I guess for us as a team is is we want to play and we have a game one and, and that 's that 's our biggest approach is is Navy on labor day and so uh we 're just going to keep preparing for that until told uh, told otherwise and um you know it does suck to hear some of the rumors about about all that kind of stuff, but we kind of need to stay positive and keep practicing and and taking it to our advantage
0: so you you said yes, we want to play and you're you 're at practice you 're doing that. How's it been with your fellow teammates in the discussion there? Because as of now, no BYU players have said, listen, we want X, Y, Z, or we're going to opt out. So far, it's, it seems like everyone's all in at this point.
4: Yeah, you know, it's It's different at every school, but for us, you know, we've had a players meeting and, and we've talked to the guys and um, we tried to address those questions asking, hey, if you have, a, if you have an issue with this and, and you feel like, you know, BYU should take different safety protocols or you feel like we shouldn't play, you know, speak up and say something and you know, Out of the 100-something guys that we have here, not one person said anything. You know, We're all here to play football, and, and we understand we've got to take that with responsibility and understand um, you know, maybe our social life needs to uh, chill out a little bit outside of football so that guys aren't getting sick and all that kind of stuff. But you know, we're here to play, and everybody on the team can, can back that up.
0: You guys have been going at it for a while now. Uh, I want to say the beginning of June, right? Is, is there any uh, fear of a burnout or anything, or are you guys just fully engaged and doing fine right now?
4: Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to speak for everybody, but for me personally, it's, you know, we got a glimpse of what it was like to cancel football for a little bit, and so, you know, for me and, and a lot of other guys, it's, it's hey, that that sucked, like what happened with uh, football being gone, and, and so we're, we're just taking full advantage of what we have right now, and being able to practice and, and train and work out is, you know, we love being here. We wouldn't want to do anything else.
0: Walk me through going into the SAB on a typical day right now, like that process of getting into the facility, and then where you go and what you do.
4: Yeah, seven to eight, we got screening. So, you know, we'll go down. They got the table. They'll ask you if you got any symptoms, anything like that. You'll you'll get the wristband, and um, they'll pretty much uh, check your fever if you got a you know a temperature of about 100. And, um, you know, after that, they'll give you a wristband just saying, hey, you've been screened for the day, pretty much breakfast, and then we head into meetings. Guys will uh, go in the locker room. Um, but for breakfast, locker room, they're trying to avoid guys just being too close, um, not taking advantage of sitting separate from each other and you know at times we don't do the best of that but but guys understand how important it is at this time so um, then we just got meetings from there.
0: We're talking to Zach Wilson here on BYU Sports Nation. Zach are you a um, you know neck mask guy? Are you a straight mask guy? Are you a custom mask guy? What are you?
4: Yeah I got the the biker mask. I got the actually got it in my back pocket but the but the one that it's got still the ear straps but it's got the whole the whole neck sleeve and everything too and Luckily, during practice, we don't have to wear those anymore. We just got the the clear shield through the face mask. But um, yeah, it's cool. The whole line, the whole line, got the same one, so we're all matching.
0: Nice, that's awesome. So you're saying it it evolved a little bit to where you have something different in your face mask. Is that the normal kind of clear mask you have there? Yeah. So so last
4: week we had uh, masks just because the ones that they got for us weren't here yet. They gave everyone some gators to wear um underneath but just this i think it was actually saturday was the first day they they put uh it's pretty much like a, a clear um you know plastic thing that they just zip tie through the face mask so nothing on the top no visor or anything just just the bottom face mask just to keep um you know germs and spit and all that kind of stuff off other people gotcha can you can you breathe okay in it yeah yeah that one's actually nice it's a lot better than wearing the mask and uh there are some guys that are opting to still wear the the visor with the with the mask. And I'm not sure how that feels having the whole thing covered, but um, yeah, it's not too bad.
0: I saw Baylor Romney put a mask on his face mask.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, that was, that was I, think I think young Soljay started the trend of putting the mask on the outside of, <laughs> of his face mask, and Some guys just copied it.
0: <laughs> Is that his nickname? Young Soljay? Is that what you call him?
4: That's what, he's like my little brother. He's like the little brother in the QB room.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I, I feel like he could be the perfect scout squad quarterback for Navy. That, am I yeah, off on runs- that? I think he'd be perfect.
4: Yeah, he's a he's a good runner. He's he can make people miss, that's for sure. He's a playmaker.
0: How are uh how are you feeling in fall camp? How how's uh this is your junior year? I feel like you just got here, but here we are two years yeah. later. How are you
3: feeling?
4: Yeah, it flies by. Uh you know, the best I've ever felt, best fall camp I've ever had. And um, you know, I, I've never felt so in tune of what's going on, whether it's you know, what front, what pressure, what defense, what disguise, like just, just a full understanding of what I'm seeing. Um, on the field. This is the first time I really just felt dialed in on all that kind of stuff. And so um, it's nice to be able to just to, to feel like, you know, you finally have some experience and, and you can see what's going on. Did
0: that just, is that just a thing where it just takes time to be a couple of years in college and I guess physically you're not as, you could focus perhaps on the mental game this summer without recouping from surgery?
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, even my sophomore year, I felt like I took a huge leap mentally and, um, you know, I felt like, you know, as far as just decision-making, quick decisions, all that kind of stuff, I was still a lot further ahead than I was my freshman year. But but even this year, I feel like the game is starting to finally slow down. And and, and having the ability to be, you know, healthy uh, physically, I feel great. And so uh, that also helps for sure.
0: Give us an assessment of uh, the, the other two quarterbacks, Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney through camp so far.
4: Yeah, they're good, good players. They got, you know, experience. Uh, we all came in pretty much the same time. I think Jaron came in a little bit later uh, than me and Baylor did. But, you know, we all learned the offense at the same time. And, um, you know, I've just been repping it exactly the same uh, the last three years. And, you know, they've been doing a really good job in camp of of just uh, understanding the plays, understanding the details, and, and where to go with the ball.
0: If I asked you every one of your touchdown passes in a 11-on-11 11 11 situation, could you tell me the receiver on all of them right now? Yeah, it's hard. Um, or there have been so many you forget?
4: yeah i wish i wish that was a case i kind of have to think about how many we've had so far i mean most of our team sessions were not moving the ball a ton so it's like okay well maybe he broke that tackle and would have scored um but but i would say saturday was the first time we went red zone so that was um the first time i think the the touchdown pass i had to matt was the just the one that comes to mind matt just in a one-on-one situation going up and making a play
0: how is he in a one-on-one situation there's got to be someone over the top there right come on
4: yeah, he's a, he's a good player. The defense needs to start accounting for having someone over the top because he's looking really good.
0: What newcomers stick out offensively?
4: Um, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, Cody Epps, the receiver position, is doing well. I would say all the tight ends are really starting to buy in. Isaac Rex is doing a great job with Matt, but but even guys like Mason Wake, you know, playing more of like a little full, fullback position, and, you know, they're understanding the scheme and, and what's going on, and they're doing a great job. Uh, Tyler Algier is not necessarily a new guy, but, but someone that's taking a bigger role this year as a running back. And, you know, he had a great practice on Saturday and as well today. And um, he's a hard runner. So guys like that are, are good, good for us.
0: Well, you guys are plowing ahead like we're going to play, and that's all you can do. And so uh, yeah. best of luck, little BYU Sports Nation karma. And hopefully we play, man. Yep, it's a goal.
2: The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Super Tuesday.
1: Get your votes in, Power Five school presidents and chancellors. Should there be a college football season or not? Yesterday, as we just recap, the Mountain West shut it down. Joining the MAC, at least two Power Five conferences, the Big Ten and Pac 12, could determine their 2020 futures as early as today. Or maybe delay their final decisions. And then there's independent BYU, largely at the mercy of what conferences will decide to do. The Cougars have Navy, Houston, and North Alabama remaining on the schedule. Jeremy, at the end of this week, will BYU have more or fewer than three games on the football schedule?
0: North Alabama seems weird that it's still on there. The Big South hasn't said what they want to do. Apparently, nine of the 13 FCS leagues have said... No, we're not going to play in the fall. So the Big South, one of the holdouts there. Uh, maybe fewer if North Alabama and the Big South are like, yeah, we're not playing. So right now it's the AAC for the win, right? Navy and Houston on there. Um, load her up, man. Stinks, man. Yeah, the, the, to me, the sign of this schedule really crumbling was if the Mountain West games went away. And we got a confirmation last week from Utah State. Okay, we're going to open up camp late and uh, boy is the opener. It's like, oh, sweet. San Diego State's AD saying, yep, BYU's still on the schedule, one of the two non-con. We thought, oh, okay, that's good. And Navy was scheduled. It's like, hey, it's feeling feeling like uh, we're going to at least try and play a couple games here. Now it's not. So I would ask this question. What changed the last five or six days since the ACC and the SEC and even the Pac-12 came out with the conference-only schedules? What changed is liability and the serious around that. Apparently... These conferences got the message that, hey, you know what? You better not play because there could be you know, medium to long-term effects that uh, would reap financial issues for universities and, and the league. And
1: it's not so, as black and white as just death or survival. Right,
0: and hardly anything's you know, that black and white. So that's what changed is the liability. But I would ask this question. Th- this is concerning. If those leagues that have more money think they can't play, how could anyone else play? You know what I mean? That has less money. So that's concerning. Because if that's a, a legit thing, like the liability there, the conservative approach of Brigham Young University and the church Jesus described of Latter-day Saints, you'd think the board of trustees at one point would say, yeah, that's probably where we need to be. But the issue right now seems to be, and this, you could approach this in your life too, like, well, I asked this doctor and this doctor said this. But I asked this doctor, and they said that. That's why you get, like, a second opinion, right? So individual schools are asking questions. Leagues are asking questions. But there's not a lot of sync-up in that. No, there's
1: we, no communication between the medical experts from all of the conferences. So at what point are they going to talk about all of because this?
0: Because James Franklin, you know, minutes ago went on Get Up on ESPN and said, Listen, Penn State's head coach. If our doctor said um, that it was safe, it's I need to pursue playing. And he was asked. Um, you know, by by Mike Greenberg about if if it's safe to play, would you pursue playing without the league? And it's like, well, how's that going to work? Because TV contracts, you've, you've sold the rights to your games to the league and if the league doesn't play. So it's complicated there. It doesn't feel like we're going to play. Like if we if BYU Navy happens, it feels like that'll be a surprise at this point.
1: Here's what's really confusing to me about all of this. Many of these Power 5 schools – and Group of Five schools with large student bases are planning on resuming classes in person Except in Except for California fall. right now, right? California's kind of outside of that, and there are a, number, a few scattered schools around the country that have said, no, 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 we're doing everything online. But the majority of these Power Five schools are having their students come back to campus. So why would they do that? but not play college football. I, I can't understand that.
0: Alone. Yeah, and, well, and I would argue, why would, why would COVID get any better soon? To me, think of the, the tens of millions of people who are going to go back to school here soon in many, if not most of the states. So why is like, that okay?
2: Like why my, is it? Yeah, like my yeah, ki-
0: come on back. My kid's going to elementary school next week. I'm like, wait, what? Really? Over under three weeks on Do that. Do you
1: trust the medical experts that say your kid's going to be just fine?
0: Do you trust those? Uh, is that, there a uh, medical expert saying that? Absolutely.
1: Like, like, the kids wouldn't be going back to school if there the, weren't groups of medical like experts the saying The school that.
0: district has consulted them. Yeah, but little Johnny is not going to wear <laughs> – he's not going to cough into his mask all day. He's going to cough outside. It, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, it doesn't seem like we're going to be able to play. Right? It just didn't seem like
1: that. To answer the immediate question, I think it'll be status quo. I think at the end of the week, BYU will have three games on the schedule.
0: I'm amused that North Alabama is still on the schedule. It's like, well...
1: Unless their conference decides to shut it down, I think it'll remain status quo. Um, it's going to be a wild week, to say the least. But BYU is in a position where they have to wait for the conference dominoes to fall. Like they, They are at the mercy of these other conferences and the trend of all of that and it really largely comes down to with these specific conferences what their medical experts are telling them and which medical experts they trust the most
0: that's how well f- who tells you what you want to hear is what normally happens
1: well and that's part of it right oh you're telling me it's okay well then i'm going to be biased towards that like
0: <laughs> who who pursues what who, they don't want who's
1: going to who's going to lead out whether it's we're shutting it down or we're playing Hey, who's going to lead out and just say no? We're... No one's doing that. Everyone's just kind of waiting to see what everybody else is doing. It's this weird standoff. Well,
0: well, the Big Ten will. They, they, it feels like. But even they've the, they been... could punt
1: today. They could say, nah, we're not doing it."
0: Right, but chances are they could be. The, they're the first because they were the first to do that. The first to be rumored to cancel. Like they feel like they want to be well, the now, ones. Now to, like, the MAC is the it. first
1: to do it, right? And then the Mountain West.
0: Right. Right. I mean, among Power Fives, because it's one thing if the MAC does it, right? It's another of the Big Ten.
1: The whole liability thing is very real, but these schools, to a degree, are already liable for the health and safety of their players. Are they not?
0: Not beyond when they graduate. That's the issue here. Is maybe they'd say, "Oh, I right now." And I would
1: argue that they should be after they graduate, with CTE and physical disabilities that could potentially come from traumatic injuries on the field. I am of the. I am in the camp of. You should take care of them if they got hurt significantly, whether it's your heart or it's an organ or it's a bone or whatever. Yeah. Like, I, For me, I, I think, I think Luke they,
0: Staley agrees with you. Yes,
1: I totally understand the Luke Staley situation. Well, there.
0: and, yeah, many athletes. That's a big financial sentence you just presented.
1: Okay, and yeah. what about
0: yeah.
1: how, how can they trace it? So talking with some lawyers in my own Linton camp, because I have a few friends that are lawyers, They brought up a point of how can you trace it to well I it's the school's fault that I got COVID. How can you prove that?
0: I don't work in like insurance,
1: right? How can you (laughs) prove that? It's gonna it would be a mess in the legal system to say. Yes, I know specifically I got COVID because I got it from this person on campus or this in football, and that enlarged my heart, and that caused me all this. Like, you would have to have a paper trail a mile long to hold these schools liable for this. So, I mean, I, and I'm not putting it past people that they could do that, but it seems like just a mess. It's a circus.
0: Yeah. We're not going to play college football this year. Just think about it. Like, Realistically.
1: So after it all, Jeremy, after it all, does BYU benefit from yesterday's Big Ten and Pac-12 we're not playing until at least the New Year announcements?
0: Now, it's interesting because there's no real benefit unless BYU actually plays football. And as of now, BYU's playing football. And it feels weird to be the, um, you know, a, a team that is in the West and is playing, which brings us to an early stat of the day.
2: It's the BYU Sports
0: Nation Stat of the Day. BYU's the Westernmost FBS team still scheduled to play a game in the fall, so we now present the College Football Western Power Rankings based on this idea. <laughs> Coming in at number one, Air Force. <laughs> they finished eleven and two. Uh, in twenty second, the AP poll. BYU at number two. Um, for some reason, we're putting Dixie State at three. Just throwing straight shade at New Mexico State, who's an FBS independent and still <laughs> scheduled at four. So here you go. Here are the top four teams in the West. Right there. Boom. BYU number two. We did it.
1: Dixie State, the FCS independent that wants the smoke from BYU. Paul, Paul
0: Peterson. He's like, we're practicing day. Anybody, anywhere. We're rescuing women whose hair gets caught in, uh, you know, repelling ropes. repelling equipment. They're doing great work out there. Okay,
1: four, I th- four teams. In the West. Total. <laughs> That's it. FCS, like FBS.
0: West of Texas. Four.
1: And Air Force is still That's kind crazy. of – there are stipulations there because within their statement it said we can play the military academies. It didn't say anything about playing they other teams. They have some
0: teams. thing in their, yeah, in their contract. Whatever. So they play
1: Army and Navy just to keep the commander's
0: – Commander-in-chief trophy. Commander chief trophy
1: going or whatever. But, yeah, so, so Air Force has stipulations. BYU, New Mexico State, and Dixie State are the only three teams that we think – We'll try and attempt to play some type of full schedule, however right. you want to define that. And Dixie that.
0: State is FCS independent, to be clear. We're, we we love Dixie. We love Dixie. But who knows what's happening there. If BYU gets more AAC teams on the schedule, which I think they will, and if they somehow get a few Power Fives, the Big 12 schedule did not release non-conference in that. It was the conference only, it looks like. Which, by the way, they are going to play a couple of the Cotton Bowl. So they're going to keep that, which is interesting. Maybe the benefit is that BYU appears to be playing and very few teams in the West are playing, and that's the benefit. It's like... We're still holding on to the ship. We haven't, uh, you know, we're not out on a floaty quite yet. But I, I do want to bring up this. The Big Ten, there were three coaches that said comments that were interesting to me. So we talked about it a little bit. So Ryan Dade, Ohio State, James Franklin at Penn State, and now Scott Frost at Nebraska, specifically saying this. Our university is committed to playing no matter what, no matter uh, what that looks like and how that looks. Whoa, Nebraska. We want to play no matter who it is or where it is. Here's my thing. They can't play home games because the league has the TV contract. So where can a Nebraska with a comment like that, where can they play? You can play at BYU. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. But if Nebraska isn't about just talk and is about action and Ohio State and Penn State and any other Power Fives in the, three, in the two leagues, if they actually wanted to play, they could play BYU. And you know what channel it'd be on? It'd be on ESPN. So I thought you were going to say BYU TV. It'd be on second. BYU TV. No, uh, it'd be on ESPN. Although we'd take, it. trust me, we'd take it. I am not a big dude about talk, 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 talk. Show me. Show me. So if Nebraska really does want to play a game, your boys are over here. Let's go. But I don't think they would take off the Big Ten. Unless they really want to just go back to the Big 12.
1: Well, when the Big 10 commissioner, Kevin Warren, addresses that question yesterday and says, if they play a game.
0: Who's they? Nebraska?
1: Nebraska. Any game. Then they won't be doing it as a member of the Big 10 conference. That then and there said to me, all right, Nebraska's not playing football. Unless they are happy giving away $52 million a year of TV revenue. They're not playing a game this year, so they can then, then it's all talk. position and talk. Now, if the Big 12 conference came in and said, hey, Nebraska, we've missed
0: you. Hey, look at the highlight we're showing. We've missed you.
1: <laughs> Come back and rejoin the ranks where you made a name for yourself, where you won your national championships. Rejoin the old school conference. Let's get back together. The divorced couple's going to find a way to make it work again.
0: Listen, I would make a terrible marriage work for 52 mil.
1: <laughs> Nebraska is not leaving the Sign Big Ten, up. and fifty-two million dollars oh. a year. Oh. So when Kevin Warren said that, I was like, "All right, Nebraska's out."
0: That's and, and not that, happening. And that's my issue it's is not happening. It is okay. It's just all talk. And but it's a good PR move. Like, no, we want to play. It's now the admins look bad. Now the presidents. Now the commissioners look bad. It's not on the coaches.
1: It can get weird if they decide that hey, we, we'll take Big Twelve money and we'll move on. We'll do our own thing. I just don't think, mil, no I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't think that's gonna happen. In a weird way, BYU does benefit from all of this because, one, they're still available. They're still out there. I kind of feel like BYU is uh Malto meal. Or it's always been there in the uh, in yeah, the cereal I love malto meal. <laughs> I love Tutti Fruities and Honey O's or whatever they're called. Okay. They've always been I've always liked them. But now all of these top name brand sugar cereals are off the aisle. So options 40%. are options are limited. So then it's like, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good value over there. And they taste pretty good. That's so, where I look
0: mm, first based yeah, on my financial yeah. situation. Right? I
1: kind of feel like BYU is that team right now for all of the remaining conferences, Maltomeal, Available, and Old Reliable. Uh, they've lasted. They've withstood the test of time in the cereal aisle. So uh, I think BYU does benefit because they're available I don't know if they're going to end up on a Power 5 schedule, Jerem, but BYU will have opportunities to play close to, again, whatever we define as a full schedule, whether that's 10 games, whether it's eight games. There's no full schedule. You try and schedule (laughs) 12. It ain't
0: 12, yeah.
1: Yeah, they they benefit. And for those wondering out there, does it mean BYU's going to the Big 12? I don't know. Is a pandemic the one thing that shoves BYU into the forefront of actually being included in a Power 5 conference? Maybe. There, I doubt
0: it. There's no smoke on that front. But
1: we're not we're not really talking about that. That's just fan speculation right now. They benefit because they're yeah. still available to play football.
0: There's no smoke. There's a ton of smoke where there's no fire sometimes, and there's no smoke, so that ain't happening.
2: <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
1: Yesterday I had the opportunity to speak with BYU passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach Aaron Roderick over Zoom on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. We discussed anything and everything relevant to his pass throwers. And when is he going to name a starter? The OG A-Rod, BYUSN All Access right now. Always a pleasure when I get to speak with the OJ A-Rod. Are you still on board for that? Can we still call you the original A-Rod?
5: Yeah, man. Greg Rebel gets credit for that one. That was, that's going back a little bit.
1: Hey, we're not overlooking where the past really began. That's, uh, that's good stuff. Okay, let's start here. Uh, how would you explain the last week of your life as a BYU football coach amidst the carousel of college football cancellations and uncertainty?
5: Um, honestly, it's been the most fun I've ever had in, to start fall camp. I, I really mean that. I think, I think this whole situation has taught all of us how much we need to appreciate this game because, you know, <laughs> all of us know people who uh, didn't get to practice at all in spring ball and still haven't practiced this fall. I mean, there's, there's a good number of teams who haven't practiced since last season you know, since last Thanksgiving or so, you know, and bowl teams maybe practiced the end of December, but there's a lot of teams that haven't had a chance to play any football. And our guys, we got, fortunately, we got six practices in spring and we're up to eight or nine now. And um, just we're just trying to enjoy one day at a time, one practice, you know, and and literally, literally like boiling it down to every rep, like value every single rep you get and just focusing on ourselves, trying to, trying to hold ourselves to a really high standard.
1: What specifically is happening that has made it so enjoyable in practices?
5: Just the fact that, uh, you know, the game is, it's a, it's a fun game. You know, we've been playing it since we were kids. And when you consider the fact that, you know, a lot of things are in doubt instead of worrying about what may or may not happen, we're just trying to really enjoy every day out there. And it's been lively. You'd, you'd think with all the speculation and all the stuff that's going around that, that maybe the guys might be like, why are we out here? And that's been, it's been exactly the opposite. It's been enthusiastic, guys flying around, just having fun. Uh, this is the least amount of drudgery I've ever felt in a fall camp. It's been really great. <laughs>
1: And just like that, we're essentially three and a half weeks away from the newly scheduled start to the season uh, at Navy, Monday Night Football on ESPN. How confident are you that a season opener will happen in Annapolis on September 7th? Uh, I'm not even really looking that
5: far ahead yet. I mean, it's out there and we want to play and Navy's an excellent football team. We have tons of respect for them. Right now, we're still, in the, we're still in the mode of camp where it's just one practice at a time. Let's get better at what we do. We're worrying about ourselves right now and trying to get our offense uh, installed and, and operating at a high level. And then as we get closer to that game, we'll, we'll, zero, we'll zero in more on that opponent. But right now, it's just what's in front of me today. And I'm, I'm just trying to
1: own the day, you know, just be great at it. Let's talk about camp and that offense that you are looking to install and, and perform uh, at a high level. Um, Kalani Satake was very complimentary specifically of uh, the offense when you went live uh, early in camp in the red zone. What are you doing in the red zone to make that facet of the game better?
5: I'm not going to tell you that.
1: <laughs> That's a fair no, we're, answer. We we're,
5: we're, we're disappointed last year in how many – trips we made into the red zone without getting touchdowns last year. We were, uh, we got down there a lot and, and um, our scoring went up, you know, we were a better offense last year than two years ago, but um, we feel like we, we left too many points out there. And so we're, we've, it's been a huge focus. The one thing I will say is we've practiced red zone uh, in every single practice of this camp. And, you know, most, most camps I've been in in the past, you practice red zone, Every two or three days, you know, something like that. Every maybe every fourth day, um, it's been an everyday thing in this camp, and um, very confident that we have uh, we've added a few things and we've fine tuned a few things that I think are gonna that are gonna be productive for us.
1: BYU passing game coordinator, quarterbacks coach, offensive guru overall, Aaron Roddick with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, now we shift our attention to Zach Wilson and straight up. Compared to where he was at this point last year, coming off shoulder surgery, trying to get right, where is his game and help now, one year later?
5: Um, he's, yeah, he's improved in every area. I mean, this, it's the first real off season he's had, so it's been nice to just be able to work out with the team in a normal manner. He's doing, you know, for for a full off season now. He's been to every workout that all the other players on the team did where a year ago, he's riding a bike or something while everybody's lifting weights because his shoulders messed up, you know, and uh, just, he's, he's big and strong. He looks, he, when you see him in person, he's looks a lot different. Um, and he's just improved in every area. I mean, he's, he's uh, throwing the ball really well and he's making great decisions. And I think he's in, in improved in every area really. Um, and so, so have Jaren and Baylor. I mean, and you hope that that's the case with all your veteran players. I mean, I think, I think people are going to see that. The more football you play, the better you get. That's how it works. And we have an, an offense full of guys who are now in their third year as starters in this offense. And um, I think you're going to see a lot of veteran play from a number of guys this year, which uh,
1: helps the quarterback look good. Jaron Hall is an interesting case because he clearly is capable and he's very athletic. Uh, What kind of plans do you have to use him outside of quarterback, if at all?
5: Well, right now he's competing for the starting job with Zach and Baylor, and I've been giving those guys all equal reps so far, and that won't last forever, but I want to make sure that everyone in this program sees all three of those guys compete, you know, and I'll ultimately make the decision, but I I think it's important that all the players – in the program know that all those guys got a fair shot and the body of work speaks for itself. And so we're in the process of that right now. And Jaron, yeah, he does a lot of exciting things. Um, and, uh, I got to have all those guys ready because the only negative about those three guys is all three of them got hurt last year. And so, and I've said that to them. I mean, that's just part of the deal. We have to, we have to be prepared for that scenario. And, you know, knock on wood, I hope it doesn't happen, you know, but um, I have a responsibility to have guys ready to play if if someone gets injured
1: When do you plan on announcing who will start the game at navy
5: um i'm not i'm not I don't have a deadline right now, but we'll it'll be we'll make sure it's in plenty of time for whoever's starting to get a good amount of work against. Uh, Navy's defense, you know, our scout team running Navy's defense. So, Um, but for right now, we're, we're, these are long practices. We're getting a lot of reps out there. I feel like there's enough work that those guys can all get a piece of the practice. And, and, uh, and because they've all played, they've got all got better, you know, the veteran guys have played in games. Um, That experience is helps as well. So I,
1: I don't feel like I need to make that decision yet. Aaron, the mustache game is strong. Uh, how much does coach Jeff Grimes impact that and your desire to uh, carry uh, such a strong mustache?
5: You know, I think, I like to think that I'm the one that inspired Grimes to have a mustache. <laughs> I think he takes credit for starting it, but I'm pretty sure I'm the one that started that.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, no, we'll finish I, I, with
5: this. I just like to mix it up.
1: I get it. No, and I like it. I approve. Uh, we'll finish with this. Um, how is your role evolving along with coach Grimes as the offensive coordinator with you being the pass game coordinator in calling plays? How, how will that evolve this year?
5: Uh, we have great chemistry together third year, man. It's, you know, the longer a staff works together, the easier it gets. You're not starting from square one, like, you know, each year. And we, we've got a great chemistry together. We put the whole game plan together each week, um, as a staff. Uh, Coach Grimes is awesome at including everyone and, and trying to draw from everyone's experience in the room. And we really have uh, multiple guys in the room that have coordinated offenses before and and always add add to things. So um, really, the, the play calls are made Monday through Wednesday. And on Saturday, it's just somebody putting their finger on a box on a sheet of paper and just going to the, whatever the situation is and calling it. And that's, that's the easy part. It's the tough stuff is Monday through Wednesday making those decisions, okay, on this short yardage or this red zone play, what are, situation, what are we going to go to? We make those all together.
1: Well, we look forward to uh, you guys teaming up for that on September 7th against Navy. Shout out to the OG A-Rod for taking some time with us today and the man who really implemented the mustache. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> Thanks. Aaron Roderick on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Okay, he told some things. Um, One, that he he is legitimately trying to give all three of the quarterbacks that started games and won games last year as starters Mm -hmm. a a shot to go out and prove themselves. Um, We both still think it's clearly going to be Zach Wilson.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's a question. (sighs) <sighs> Borrowing injury.
1: No, but uh, I did ask him about Jaron Hall, too. Like, okay, if Jaron's not starting quarterback, you plan on moving him around. And I don't see why Jeff Grimes would want to do anything differently than he did last year. With, with No,
0: they need to be Jaron, ready. Right? They need to be ready uh, just in case, right? Um, you, you need you need depth, and BYU has great depth of that position, like incredible depth. Um, you could argue that's some of the best depth BYU's had at quarterback in a long time. So that's awesome, yeah. Yeah.
2: We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
1: The BYU Cougars and Troy Trojans have agreed to a two-game scheduling agreement This first year, 2020, September 26th, at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, BYU will return the game to Troy in the year 2026. And
0: September 5th, specifically. So, BYU has a fourth game on the schedule now. This is the second game of the season. BYU now has two in September, one in October, and one in November. So, I I like this game. The connection with Troy is this: Ryan Pugh, former BYU offensive line coach, is the offensive coordinator at Troy. Troy went five and seven last year under new head coach Chip Lindsley, and uh, second season now. BYU and Troy will play on September 26th. So, a Group of Five team in Troy that BYU is going to match up with Sun Belt, correct? Sun Belt
1: Conference, correct?
0: So AAC, Sun Belt, AAC, FCS, Big South Conference. So this is the schedule so far for BYU. I do like the idea of going there in the South, right, in 2026. That's fine. Um, now we have four games. Now we have four games. And and obviously, uh, uh, Jeff Grimes and Ryan Pugh in that relationship probably was the connector for BYU in this. And it will be good to see Ryan Pugh. He's the former center for Auburn with Cam Newton when they won the national title over Oregon.
1: Did a great job in his one season at BYU as the offensive line coach. And
0: elevated up to uh, a group of five O.C. Yep. So They're looking to improve after a down year, didn't make a bowl game last year. But BYU has more games, and there is hope even if we don't play these games. And we don't know that because scheduling and playing is different. But there is a hope associated with seeing another team on the schedule. Dang it. Dang it. Because we're fighting to play right now. And scheduling is the first Thing you need to do. So I love seeing that there's another team on the schedule. I fully expect several more games to happen in the next week, week and a half for BYU football.
1: There's a chance this could be the BYU football home opener based on what BYU is able to throw together. They're opening the season right now on September 7th, a Monday night at Navy, September 26th, hosting Troy. We kind of thought BYU would be on the road for a few weeks, especially if they were going to schedule a Power 5 opponent because – That was mandated. It had to be at the home side of the Power 5 school. We don't know if BYU is going to get a Power 5 opponent at all now because we're learning more that the Big 12 is opting to go with what SportsCenter called last night cupcake openers and not play a team like BYU. But, hey, the Cougars have a home game in September. The Troy Trojans, and I know some of you are saying, who? Troy is a program That has come a long way in the last 15 years, and they have become one of the respected power teams in their specific conference.
0: Neil Brown won 10, 11, and 10 games, 2016 through 28. They they have been ranked. And and he he jumped from there to another uh, school.
1: I dare say that the Troy Trojans may have been ranked more weeks than BYU has over the last 10 years they, altogether. They,
0: they've done a nice job um, those those three seasons, a little bit of a struggle before that. Had a nice run kind of end of the 2000s, right, where they were at least 8-plus for a while. But the the point isn't even necessarily Troy. It's that BYU games. has another game. Games, And I, I'm hoping BYU schedules at least 8 games. I would love to see 10 on there because I fully expect there to be games canceled because of positive tests on either side. I expect that. What I'd love to see is, I don't think it's that realistic, but what I'd love to see is BYU Schedule 12 over like a 15-week span go into the second or third week of December. Play road games in warmer climates where it'd still be tolerable. Don't schedule a December game in Provo per se, but it depends how desperate you are. I want to see at least eight games on the schedule because right now BYU is a loner in the West. And I love it. And they're literally the only FBS team that is going to try and play three-plus games west of Texas. BYU is the only team. And I, lo- I love that BYU is still at practice every day. They are trying to play. They have not given up on the season. And we thought being an independent was a uh, negative thing a couple weeks ago. Right now, BYU being independent means they still have a chance to play.
1: Independence is working. <laughs> BYU has three home games now. Troy, Houston. In North Alabama, the one road game
0: oh, at it's, Navy. It's home heavy. It's home heavy right now. Three of the four. Do we think BYU is going to have an undefeated season based on this four-game <laughs> schedule? They got a shot!
2: Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Jerem, who is the best to wear it
1: at number
0: 81? Marion Probert is the best to wear it. Defensive end in the 50s, 1977 BYU Hall of Famer. BYU's first four-time letterman. How about that? Three-time All-Conference, All-American honorable mention in 54. Tragically passed away in a plane crash on the way to Albuquerque to watch a BYU-New Mexico game. BYU retired his jersey number of 81. There are only a handful of jerseys that are retired, so that was a significant honor. BYU won that game 42-8, giving the Cougars their first-ever conference championship. That was a notable, tragic day in BYU. Sure, history. yeah. Now,
1: I, I'm intrigued that uh, the numbers 80 and 81 have been defensive players, Jeremy. McKellie, Aaron not, Meehan. Not, not, uh, not, like not receivers, receivers or pass something? Catchers. Yeah. And Marion Probert. Pretty cool. Today, it's a double dip, 82 and 83. Jeremy, you're up first.
0: 82, Chuck Cutler, wide receiver, 85 to 88. He ended up being first team on whack in 88 because he had one of the better seasons of BYU history as a receiver. Listen to this, 66 grabs, 1,067 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Those numbers don't happen today for any BYU receivers. Uh, the 66 catches, uh, you know, BYU, Matt Bushman could come close to that, but 1,000 yards, 11 touchdowns. Fantastic stuff. I, I love it. BYU had a bunch of these dudes that in 2020 mm-hmm. would probably play a different role. It was a different era, and guys like Chuck Cutler and Andy Boyce and Matt Bellini and these guys, they thrived, man. Eric In Grange. the and 90s. Eric yeah. Those guys were really, really good. It does help when you have your boy Ty Detmer throwing you passes as a redshirt freshman, an idiot.
1: Or even, uh, yeah, from Chuck Cutler's case, and John Walsh. I mean, the, the quarterback history there is why these receivers have done so well. At number 83, Matt Mendenhall. Yeah, Mendenhall in the list of best to wear. It.
0: On, M-A-T, Matt.
1: Older brother of one Bronco Mendenhall. First team All-WAC in 1978. AP Honorable Mention as an All-American. His career included 15 sacks, six forced fumbles. In 1978 alone, he had 64 tackles and 11 sacks with 16 tackles for loss. Four forced fumbles. Drafted in the second round by the Washington football team of the NFL, 55th overall. Super Bowl 17 champion with the Washington football team. Matt Mendenhall, the best to wear it at number 83. We center in on number 84.
0: Jan Jorgensen is the best of wear number 84. The Janimal, he was called sometimes, 2005 to 2009. He was the Mountain West Conference all-time sack leader for a while Woo. there, which was awesome. It had 28.5 free time, first team all Mountain West, 07, 8, 9. He was on some really good BYU teams. Uh, Jerry Hughes of TCU finally uh, took that over later. He was all-time taxed for loss later when he finished his career. Now he's fourth. BYU was 43-9 and nine with Jan Jorgensen playing, by the way. Pretty good. Currently the defensive coordinator at Snow College. Pretty awesome. Butch Paulo one of his assistants, by the way. Uh, had a career in MMA, if you remember, 8-1. Yeah. Um, I want to mention a story. 2008 at Washington, BYU blocks the extra point, right? Was it Jan? I think it was Jan that blocked it, right? Yep. After the game, I got to Jan a little late, and uh, I asked him a question about Power 5 at the time. It was 6. Road losses, that streak being snapped for BYU. It had been several years. And he said... All you media, talk- and I looked around, and it was only me standing there with Jan. I was like, what do you mean, all you media? It's literally just me, Jan. All you Jerums. What are you talking about, Jan? No, I got to know Jan a little bit better over the years. He's great. Um, so, shout out to all you players, Jan Jorgensen. Kirk Pendleton, by the way, Jordan's dad, led the nation in 1983 in touchdown catches. Honorable mention in number 84.
1: Number 84. Isn't it interesting that the trend still continues? The majority of the 80s thus far have been defensive
0: players. Today, all about number 85. Let's go. It's Clay Brown. Clay Brown is one of the great players in BYU history. Obviously known for a certain play, which we'll get to in a moment, but played from 76 to 80. He's on some of the best teams in BYU history. I mean, he's playing with Giff. He's playing with Mark Wilson. He's playing with Jim McMahon. In 1980, he had an incredible season. 48 catches, 1,009 yards, 15 touchdowns. Honorable mention, All-American in 79. Third-team All-American in 80. Two-time All-WAC first-teamer. People don't really know this, but he actually led the nation in punting in 79. 45 a kick. How about that? Maybe he was one that taught Jim McMahon had to punt. <laughs> I think Jim was doing it before Clay. We'll have to ask him. But uh, 81 NFL draft, second-round pick by the Broncos. And that 1,000-yard season in 80 was notable.
1: Today we feature number 86.
0: Dan Pluto Plater is the best aware number 86. Wide receiver, 78 to 81. In his career, 124 catches, nearly 2,000 yards, 16 touchdowns. He caught passes from some of the greats, man. Look at this. Dan Plater down the sideline. He was one of those deep threats, short-handed guy for BYU in the late 70s, early 80s. So he would have caught passes from Jim McMahon, Mark Wilson, and Steve Young.
1: That's quite the uh, trio we're, of quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, and and we're we're showing some Steve Young as a backup. Highlights, by the way. That's what those were. That wasn't eighty two and eighty three. Uh, two time academic All American, drafted in the fourth round by the Denver Broncos, highest drafted wide receiver in BYU history. It says
1: hello, even higher than Austin Collie. Austin, Austin was, was taken rounder, in the fourth but round. But yeah, but what but was I
0: guess th- he was picked higher. There were a few in teams the back round. then, right? So yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, that's like Danny Ainge was a second round NBA draft pick because. They thought he couldn't play. He was with the Blue Jays, but there were also fewer teams mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, select from. Doug Jolly is honorably mentioned, by the way. Tied in, 97-01. to Played in uh, a Super Bowl. Second-round pick. First team on lack in 01. Douglas Jolly. He was a good player, man.
1: 86. Finally, some pass catchers, Jeremy. We've had the majority of defensive players.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Where's the offense? This is Brigham. <laughs> we're getting to it. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We welcome in now the head coach
1: of the BYU women's volleyball program, Heather Olmsted, on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom. Heather, welcome to the show. Amidst tough circumstances, we certainly appreciate you spending some time with us today.
6: Thanks, you guys. I appreciate you having me on. All right,
1: Heather, let's start with uh, the no-brainer here, and that is um, what is your reaction to the cancellation of the West Coast Conference women's volleyball season and all fall sports at BYU?
6: Um, I think my reaction is devastation for our players. Um, I'm heartbroken. They're heartbroken. It, it was, it's a little different situation this fall because it was, it was more like a slow burn that everyone knew it was coming. So the reaction wasn't such a surprise as it was for the spring and winter winter sports, but we knew there was a, a possibility that this would happen. But it doesn't make it any easier for for our student athletes or for our staff. The news is is heartbreaking. It's it's, it's devastating for these this team, the seniors, um, the freshmen, the incoming class that we have, and and everyone in between. Um, it's 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 been disappointing, but it's understandably uh, what what was going to happen and had to happen. So. Uh, we're, we're we're coping with it the best we can.
0: Why do you feel like it had to happen?
6: Why? Mm-hmm. Um, it had to happen because uh, everybody else had dropped out before us, and so it was inevitable that for us that was going to happen. And that that's what I'm referring to. Like we knew our conference was was coming; it was just a matter of time. And when the teams dropped below fifty percent participation, I mean that's 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 what I'm referring to as far as not being able to play. I mean, we wanted to play, our girls, our team wanted to play. We are ready to play. Our administration's done a great job uh, getting our kids back in the gym with following CDC guidelines and 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 following protocol and, and put in a really amazing, safe environment for our kids to be in. And so we were ready and we were excited, um, but knew that this was a possibility.
1: Heather, you mentioned the slow burn, and that's a great description of what this has really become. So walk us through the timeline of <laughs> at what time did you and your players start to broach? And I know you didn't want to, but broach the topic of, Hey, this thing actually might get shut down.
6: Yeah. That conversation was happening in June when they were starting to come back. When BYU was opening up our facilities, there was always that possibility and our, our attitudes been, Hey, we're going to be ready uh, whenever it's time to play. We're going to be the team that's ready to go. Let's control. what We can control, get back in the gym. Let's get in the weight room let's be together Um, and so that conversation's been happening and then we were able to have that on Wednesday when when Tom Hulman gave us a heads up that hey this announcement may come out tomorrow which was Thursday we were actually heading into a team meeting with Craig Manning our mental strength coach and had an opportunity to to talk about it as a team and to just be together and answer questions even though there's still more questions than answers out there for our team but it was it was a good opportunity for us to, to finalize it on Wednesday and the announcement came out yesterday and if, if you would have been in the gym, and Tom Homo was in the gym yesterday during our practice in the morning, uh, right before the West Coast Conference made their announcement, you would have never known that our team was was dealing with this, this adversity about to come in front of them, that the energy level was so high, the excitement to practice yesterday, and, and we're practicing again today. I've been really impressed with with our student-athletes, our team's ability to focus and, and be resilient, but of course, this is going to take some time to process, and and Grieg, we've talked about we're going to grieve, you know, losing losing the fall and losing some dreams for these kids and not knowing if there will be a spring. The reality is nobody knows. So it's hard to, to, you know, get excited about the spring when when nobody's giving you any answers.
0: Yeah. Trying to postpone to the spring sounds like when I tell my daughter when she wants to buy something in the store, but I don't want to buy it. Yeah, maybe that's what it, that's what it feels like. Like is spring a reality in your opinion? How, how could that work if at all?
6: I have no idea. And that's uh, not my job. So I, I just get the kids ready to to play. And I, w- I would love to, to have those answers so I could give them to our kids. But that's that's for other people to decide and figure out. And it's, it's a tough one for sure. Obviously we want to play in the spring. We have a bunch of kids that want to play. We have seniors that want to get out there. But it's, it's really out of our control.
0: Listen, the idea of a doubleheader with men and women's volleyball actually sounds pretty cool, though. Sure, right? doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> that would be awesome. I
6: think so too.
1: Let's just put the ladies in the primetime spot, right, Coach?
6: I, I think we'd have to defer to the guys uh, <laughs> since it's their season for sure. We would we would feel blessed and lucky for the opportunity to get to get out there and play in front of our fans. I mean, we're going to miss our fans this fall. Cougar Nation has been incredible. Their support um, just via social media and, and reaching out to us. It's, it's been pretty neat to see. We know that they'll be there whenever we decide, you know, we can get back out on the court.
1: Heather Olmsted with us on BYU Sports Nation, a very accomplished head coach of BYU women's volleyball. How do you channel the competitive spirit of your team now? What will they be competing in now because there are no games in the foreseeable future?
6: Yeah, I think this is a great opportunity for us to to put our focus in other areas. We're going to take opportunities to to still practice and get better, depending on what the NCAA comes back with, what our hours are going to be. But we know we're going to practice. We're going to be together, and we're going to take this opportunity to get better. So we'll create competitive environments in the gym. We're going to take opportunities to focus on our academics, to make sure that that, that kids are on track and, and, and heading in the right direction with their degrees and graduation, which our team always is. And we're going to take opportunities to serve and to do things with our team together and in the community and really work on our leadership and our team culture. I and mean, there's so many things we can do as well as play volleyball and get better that we're really going to have to turn our attention and focus in other areas so we can bloom and blossom in other ways that our, our players hadn't planned on.
1: Will there be any 50-mile runs with your brother Sean involved, either for you or for your team?
6: No, I think we'll just stick to the volleyball court. Uh, we, might play some, we might play some pickleball. We might get competitive that way, throw in a couple different extracurricular activities for our team and, and keep their interest that way. That's one of the concerns, right, is how can we keep our kids engaged without knowing you know, the spring situation? Are we going to play in the spring or are we going to wait till next fall? And so it's, it's something that as a staff and around the country is a challenge for all, all fall sports that, that they have to deal with.
0: So you're going to keep practicing in the hope of a spring slash keep everybody engaged. And then if you play in spring, you've been practicing anyway?
6: Correct. Yeah. We're we're practicing today and we're we're gonna take it way slower. We've we've um, taken some things out of preseason. There's no more there's no devil days this this fall and you've seen that across the country with football and some other sports. It's it's a little slower. You're able to dive into the systems, you're able to dive into fundamentals knowing because we were thinking we were going to play September 24th, so we had more time you know, to get ready for conference. So that's, that's what we've got, and we, we, are, we have a bunch of kids that want to get better. And I think this is where you see a lot of people talk about grit. This is where you're actually going to see the gritty kids, because the question is, do they have the passion for volleyball to stick through it, and do they have the perseverance that this is really hard, this is something I'm going through that's just extremely difficult, and am i am like, I going to be persistent that you're going to see me on the court in the spring or next fall? And I think that's really cool for fans and families to get excited about, to see that green, grittiness and our team come out.
0: I know the decision's already been made. It is what it is. But in football, there's this debate of whether we should play or not. Um, in volleyball specifically, do you feel like uh, you could have made it work, you, that you could have played? Or is this a decision that you just, you, just, you know what, we can't control, whatever?
6: You know, I think I think it it was becoming very difficult to to see how it was going to work and our our players were seeing that how's this going to work? You know, if someone gets sick, does that affect our whole team? Does that does that take us all out for a couple of weeks? So it was becoming increasingly difficult to see the vision of how it was going to work this fall. I think that BYU and is doing a great job testing and get, keeping us safe and they have plans in place. Um, so I think it, it could have been done, but I definitely know that Um, You know, this decision was not made lightly by the West Coast Conference. Um, And so we're going to adhere to it and we're going to do the best we can.
1: Coach, we commend you and your team for your competitive spirit and for the approach that you've taken in just a really impossible situation. So we send you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Obviously, we can't wait to see your team get on the floor and play again. And we know that there will be great things when that does happen.
6: Thank you, guys. We, we appreciate it. And, hey, it just leaves more time for us to be on Sports Nation this fall. Let's go. Hey, As no
1: always. excuses. If we
0: ask, you have to come on. Listen, no one can cancel the show. You know, we don't have a conference. Yeah.
6: We need you guys. Thanks for everything you guys do to keep us uh, excited and looking forward. You got it. Thanks, Heather.
1: Heather Olm on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, Deseret First, you know why we show how.
0: I'm bummed for them, man. Yesterday I was like, well, we saw this coming, but it, the reality is setting in that we're not going to see some of these really fun sports in the fall, and that's very disappointing. Yeah, they saw you the, think smoke. Of the athletes and the coaches. Right? They saw
1: the smoke coming from over the mountain, and <sighs> and there's no stopping it. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I'm super bummed for them. Reality is disappointing. I mean, that attitude, that approach, that's uh, it's
2: pretty
0: impressive. Well, that's why she's the winningest coach Seriously. by percentage in NCAA women's volleyball history. How about that?
2: Man, <laughs> that wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday. For the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.